Welcome to the YA Cafe, where we share conversations about books for teachers, readers, and caffeine addicts everywhere. On today's episode, we will be joined by friends of the podcast to give you part one of our 2018 recommendation roundup. Grab a mug of your favorite beverage, friends, and let's talk books. Have you tried the Radio Public app? It's a great app where you can find all of your favorite podcasts like this one. You'll experience the same great content for free and we'll receive a small kickback every time you listen there. This is a great way to support any podcast you enjoy. Come find us over on Radio Public. Welcome, y'all. Today's episode will be a little different. We've called up some of our writer, reader, and teacher friends to make some recommendations of books we didn't cover this year on the podcast. I'm Amanda Thrasher. And I'm Danielle Hall, an 8th and ninth grade English teacher, and I blog at teachnouvelle.com. We've got a great mix of recommendations ahead, so hold on tight. You can find links to these titles and more information about our guests in our show notes. And, as always, if you're a teacher or a librarian, we've got ideas for using these books in the classroom. Our first recommendation comes from H.D. Hunter. He is the author of the novella Torment, which follows a young man in one weekend of his life at his brother's funeral. Hi, H.D. Hey, how are you? I know we covered this before we started recording, but you actually prefer Hugh. Do you want to yes. tell our <laughs> listeners why? Should we, should we do that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can definitely share so I was looking into publishing for the first time a few years back, and I got the advice that I should search myself on the internet and just sort of see, you know, what pops up when I Google my name as I'm choosing, you know, the name that I want to publish under. And I didn't really think anything of it until uh, I did the internet search and realized that there's a really popular uh, adult film star that actually shares a name with me. So in order to, uh, you know, stay out of their way and have the people who are looking to follow me be able to access me, uh, I chose to publish under the name HD. I love it. I think that's really great advice. At least he's popular, right? Like, right. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, For like, sure. I think about that sometimes. Like, what happens if in 10 years there's a young Suzanne Collins that wants to publish? Yeah. Like, what if mm -hmm. she just wants to be a famous writer, but she can't use her own name? Gotta have a pen name. Gotta have a pen name. And, Hugh, I read that you also went to Wake in our hometown. Yes, yes. I went there for grad school. Yeah, the School of Business is great. I met a lot of really cool people there and learned a lot of the stuff that I use now every day just in trying to navigate the writing world and how to make connections with people. And so I'm definitely thankful for Wake and the university and everything I learned while I was there. That's really cool. So you wrote Torment, a novella, and I saw on Instagram you've been going into a lot of schools. How has that been going? It's been really awesome. Uh, I think a little bit slow to start. Uh, I, I work in education as well. And so I'm familiar with, you know, the idea that the school has its curriculum, the school has its schedule, and uh, educators are, are really protective of students and protective of the time that they have with them, uh, you know, which is all completely understandable. But I've had the good fortune to have some friends and some associates to say, we think that what you've written is relevant culturally and from a content standpoint to the students that we serve. And we would love if you could come and speak to them face to face about it. So a little slow to start, but the schools that I have visited, it's gone really well. I've met some brilliant students that have great questions and sort of like a great ability to analyze the work. And I'm excited to get to do more of that stuff soon. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, I've 
been in environments where we didn't have that time to spare, but at the same time, like your presence is such an opportunity. And Torment is really accessible to students. It's short. It's like relatable to a lot of people, I think. And I just, I really enjoyed reading it. And I really hope more teachers are able to incorporate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I hope so too. So in addition to having your own book that we really enjoyed, you also have a recommendation for us? Yes, yes, I do. I want to recommend the short story anthology Meet Cute by HMH Publishing Company. Uh, It has 14 different stories in it by, you know, 14 different authors. Cool. So we haven't read it, but tell us about like your favorite story in there. Sure. So I think anytime you have an anthology or a collection, there's always stories that stick with you more than others. And I have a little bit of a bias leaning towards sci-fi, like fantasy elements of of stories. So there is uh, a story by Nicola Yoon called The Department of Dead Love. Okay, it's so funny that you say this because as soon as you said I have a bias for sci-fi, I thought uh of Nicola Yoon's short story (laughs) in Fresh Ink. Did you read Yes, that? yes. So she definitely did it again <laughs> in this in this anthology. The story is called The Department of Dead Love, and it almost reminds me of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, if you've ever seen that before. I love um, that movie. Such a good movie. Right, right. So you have this uh, sort of speculative contemporary environment where there are relationship sort of excavators and autopsy people who can look into the reasons of why the relationships ended. And they can also help counsel the people who are a part of the relationships into having, you know, better closure with what happens. That sounds really cool. I really love Eternal Sunshine. So I definitely have to check out this anthology and check out that short story. Are there some other authors you want to like name drop here that are in that anthology? Absolutely. Danielle Clayton has a probably my second favorite story. Meredith Russo, Emery Lord, and Nina LaCour all just did amazing work. And I really, really enjoy reading all of their stories. That is Meet Cute, a short story anthology. Hugh, thank you so much for coming to join us and bringing us your recommendation and talking to us a little bit about what it's like in your life as a published author now. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I hope uh, I hope folks get a chance to check out Meet Cute. It really is a great anthology. Definitely. And I also hope folks get a chance to check out Torment. And that's under HD Hunter, not Hugh Hunter. <laughs> Our next recommendation comes from Maura Milan, who wrote Ignite the Stars. I love this book about a fierce pilot, and I'll let Maura tell you more about this book and the recommendations she's brought us. Hi, my name is Maura Milan. I am the author of the YA sci-fi called Ignite the Stars. Ignite the Stars is about a notorious space outlaw who gets captured by the same government who destroys her planet, and she's forced to work for them. It's for fans of Star Wars, especially Rogue One and Solo, and also for fans of Battlestar Galactica. I really wanted to recommend This Mortal Coil by Emily Saveda. It came out last year, and she has a sequel that also came out this year. It's called This Cruel Design. It's set in the near future where 
everyone is able to modify their genetic code by hacking into it. At the same time, the world is overtaken by this fatal disease that causes people to explode. And it's something that's like an anomaly within um, people's DNA. The main character is this girl named Kat, who's an amazing gene hacker. And she's kind of been living off-grid out in the forest for a couple years, just trying to survive. And all that kind of changes in a fateful meeting. She meets a soldier who's come looking for her her, and he has kind of bad news. He tells her that her father is dead. Her father, who's this amazing geneticist, he's been working on a vaccine that will possibly cure this disease, and she is the only one capable of finishing his work. So that's kind of the setup of this whole entire book. The reason I wanted to recommend it for libraries and classrooms is that it talks about a lot of technology that is kind of making breakthroughs right now, especially when it comes to CRISPR technology and gene editing. The technology is kind of expanding at such an alarming rate that people are having to make really ethical decisions about how to use it. And this book kind of like is a really great introduction to this realm of science and how all of this could go terribly wrong if it's not used responsibly. There's some trigger warnings for it. There's violence, there's some body horror, and there's a lot of backstabbing. <laughs> but it's a great pick. But I think it can provoke some really enriching conversations when it comes to the ethical use of technology. Thanks, Mora. You can find more about what Mora's been up to on moramalan.com. Our next recommendation is from my teacher friend, Stacy. She's a fifth grade teacher from California, and her Instagram is such a wealth of ideas and resources. Hey, everyone. This is Stacy from Donut Love and Teacher, and I'm so excited to be here on the YA Cafe podcast to share a book with you that came out this past year. As a reader, I've fallen in love with a lot of different great stories, and that includes The Wild Robot and The Wild Robot Escapes. I started reading The Wild Robot with my students as a read aloud, and we were in the middle of the book when they were just so intrigued by the story. They were asking me if there was a sequel and if this was a part of a series and if we were going to read it and if we could read it if there was one. So Peter Brown, the author, was on it, and we actually did count down the days until The Wild Robot Escapes came out. When we got our hands on a copy, we fell in love again. Peter Brown didn't disappoint. If you're not familiar with The Wild Robot, then you might as well add both of these books to your must-read list immediately because they're written in these really quick chapters with adorable graphics throughout the whole novel, and it keeps the reader truly hooked. The characters are captivating. They're just so lovable. And so spoiler alert, because I am going to share a little bit about what happens in The Wild Robot Escapes, which means I have to share what happens at kind of at the end of The Wild Robot. So spoiler alert. In the first book, Roz, which is our main character robot, she becomes a mother to a young gosling named Brightbill. Since Roz isn't meant to be in the wild, she gets captured by these other robots called Ricos who are there to take her back to the factory she was made in. And although she's badly damaged, she is taken from the island. And Roz and Brightville had this very, very strong connection to each other. So in the wild robot escapes, you'll continue to root for Roz and Brightville. This time, their quest is to find one another and to reunite. 
Unlike the first book setting, which takes place in the wild, this time Roz and Brightbill are trying to find each other in a big city. So in the second book, you'll take a trip with the characters and Roz actually has to blend in among other robots in the city while of course making new friends too. You should add this book to your shelves now. It has themes of friendship, love, belonging, humanity, and of course overcoming obstacles. Whether read independently with a small group or a class, your kids will surely line up to read this book. I read it with my fifth grade students, but I have taught grades five through eight and can imagine this book being of high interest among the entire grade span. My students were really invested in these characters and the storyline, and I would highly recommend this book series being a part of every young adult library, so I hope you guys have a chance to check it out. Great recommendation. Thanks, Stacy. Be sure to find Stacy at Donut Lovin' Teacher. Up next, our friend Courtney. She's been on the podcast several times and most recently on our book versus movie episode for The Hate You Give. Hi, this is Coco from Coco Chasing Adventures. My recommendation for the year's roundup is a lighthearted young adult romance, Emergency Contact by Mary Choi. The story follows Penny as she journeys through her freshman year at college to become a writer. She meets Sam, a too cool baker at a cafe, and they begin a digital friendship that is both comforting and oddly satisfying. My favorite quote from the book is one where her professor tells her of the responsibility of being a writer. It's a privilege, and a part of acknowledging that privilege is doing it honorably. Create diverse characters because you can, especially ones that aren't easy to write. A character that scares you is worth exploring. Yet, if you breathe life into a character and it comes to you too easily, say you're writing from the viewpoint of a Black man in America and you're not one, think hard about where your inspiration is coming from. Are you writing stereotypes, tropes? Are you fetishizing the otherness? Whose ideas are you spreading? Really consider how you transmit certain optics over others. Think about how much power that is. Mary Choi, the author, is hilarious. She uses sarcasm and quick-witted humor to provide a strong voice for Penny, the main character. The romance is sweet and not corny, relatable in many ways as we all encounter the digital age of dating. She discusses complex relationships between mother and daughter and those of living and dealing in spaces that you don't belong to, specifically those problems of being Asian in a mostly white town. This book is well worth the read, well worth the romance, and well worth your time. Read Emergency Contact by Mary Choi. This is definitely going on my TBR. Thanks, Courtney. Up next, we have special guest Emily Skretsky. Hi, Emily. Hi. It's nice to have you back. You joined us on our episode about Seafire by Natalie C. Parker. And, probably more impressive, you wrote a book, Whole Metal Girls, and we discussed it in episode something of our podcast. Episode Uh, something. That's the professionalism that you've come to expect (laughs) from the YA Cafe podcast. (laughs) So, Emily, what have you been up to since last we spoke? Well, since last we spoke, I actually have really exciting new news, which is that I just sold a trilogy, a science fiction space opera trilogy to (gasps) Delta 
yes. for publication in um, spring 2020 is what we're slated for right now. Wow, that is excellent. That Congratulations. Thank you. Yay. Can we expect pirates? There is actually a minor character who's an ex-pirate in Woo-hoo! these books. You are a woman obsessed. I'll have to hold you over. <laughs> I love space pirates. They're a good kind of pirate. Well, Emily, you have a book to recommend to us today, and it takes place in space. It does, though not actually not so much in space. But that's kind of the cool thing I liked about it. The book is Mirage by Samaya Dode, and it's like it is a space empire book. There's a colonial space empire, but it's very, very accessible for fantasy readers. It takes place a lot of the times in palaces and in like large estates that I feel like are maybe less alienating for readers who are a little bit confused by a lot of space terminology and a lot of spaceships going around flying everywhere. And yeah, I, I really, really like this one. It also has this really lovely poetic voice, um, which comes from Samaya's interest in classical Moroccan poetry, which comes through very strongly in the text and is just a delight to read. I'm also obsessed with this book. And when we went to the Portland Book Fest, we got to hear her speak. And she's a total nerd. I love it. And, you know, you can tell that in the book. Like, she wanted more, like, Amidala and, like, government and empires and, like, political machinations. I love it. Unapologetically Star Wars nerd. I think she said specifically in the panel... Enough Firefly. I'm tired of dirty people on cargo ships. I want galactic Senate scenes. That being said, Emily, I am not tired of dirty people on cargo ships. So you keep writing them. Okay. I will have some dirty people. I will have some clean people. I actually, so the book, the books I just sold, I swore that they were going to be like, you know, political machinations and pretty clothing. And like my Pinterest board was like all fashion and high tech fashion and stuff. And like literally 100 pages in, the characters are sitting in a dumpster. They're literally. <laughs> in a dumpster. I, I kind of put my head in my hands at that point. It's like, the, we, we've lost the thread here. The heart wants what the heart wants. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So that's Mirage by Somea Dowd. And does your trilogy have a title yet, or is that still in the works? Uh, right now, we're calling it the Bloodright Trilogy. Um, and the first book is called Bonds of Brass. So we'll we'll see if those stick over the next couple of years. But. I'm very excited for it. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Emily, and giving us your recommendation. Thank you. And we look forward to reading your trilogy, or at least the first one, in 2020. Up next is another one of my teacher friends, Matt, who's on Instagram at Classics and Composition. Matt is a high school English teacher from Atlanta, and he's one of our podcast cheerleaders. We're so happy to have him on. Hey, Danielle and Amanda. My go-to recommendation lately has been Jane Unlimited by Kristen Kishore. The novel follows the protagonist, Jane, as she receives an invitation to attend the annual gala at Tu Revien by her friend and former tutor, Kieran Thrash. Jane's recently deceased grandmother made her promise that she was ever invited to Revienne, which is Kieran's family's mansion, that she would go. So having accepted the invitation, Jane quickly finds herself thrown into multiple converging storylines that foreshadow each other. Eventually, the novel structure breaks down into a sort of choose-your-own-adventure-style narrative. Depending on Jane's choices, she finds herself part of a heist, a gothic fantasy, a space opera, and even a thriller. 
When one storyline ends, readers will find themselves thrust back into the moment when Jane must decide which route she is going to take. From a teacher's perspective, this novel would be an awesome selection for discussing text structure. Though the book technically resets when you reach the end of one of the plot lines, there are some remnants of each story that make their way into the next as the novel progresses. So because of these fragments, we do really get to know and honestly to love each character by the time we reach those final pages of the book. For instance, Jane makes her own clothing choices each day based on what sea creature the items make her look like because her grandmother was an underwater photographer. And then her passion is to make umbrellas using odd, one-of-a-kind designs. So I'd really recommend Jane Unlimited to your students who might complain about the fact that there are many tropes in YA that are a little bit predictable and tend to get repetitive. The reviews of Jane Unlimited are a little bit mixed. But if you're in the mood for something different, this is honestly the first place that I would direct you. Thanks, Matt. Kristen Cashore also wrote the Graceling series, which I really enjoy. It's great, just standard fantasy and thought it was great. Me too. Really good. Our next recommendation comes from Carissa Peck. Carissa is a high school English elective teacher in San Diego who misses teaching literature, but not grading essays. She's on Instagram at MeltingTeacher. There's a phrase I learned when I lived in the Netherlands, um, loosely translated into English. It's, he who is silent consents. And while I think it's a generalization, it's important to note that so much of our society is built around the power of a voice and what our words say matter. And if we don't agree with something, we have to speak and make things right. All Rights Reserved by Gregory Scott Katsui is the opposite. It takes place in a society where words, gestures, any expression of yourself, haircuts, clothing, cost money. And you have to pay the shareholders, you have to pay the rights holders in order to say certain words, in order to make certain gestures. And so in this world, all teenagers and children are exempt because they cannot legally enter a contract. But on their 15th birthday, they become legal and are part of this whole ceremony. Now, our protagonist at that point stops speaking. And it is through her silence that an unintentional rebellion is formed against this dystopia that she is living in. The world building is fantastic. The analysis of copyright and kind of what happens when the rights holders are reigned premier is fascinating. And as a teacher, I love the fact that it gets students thinking about digital law. It gets students thinking about why we have copyright and why artists should be compensated, but on the other hand, how great it is to have creative commons and public domain. So even if you're not a copyright nerd, I strongly encourage All Rights Reserved as a book that really didn't get the fanfare I thought it should have. Thanks for the recommendation, Carissa. We are all about giving extra fanfare here, so this recommendation is perfect. I 
wanted to finish off with one of my own recommendations. Our first episode of the new year will be In an Absent Dream by Shannon McGuire, which is a companion novella to her Wayward Children series. So we found Shannon while we were nerding out on filk music, and we talked about her song Wicked Girl Saving Ourselves on the show before. Specifically, Amanda promised she would never again mention it on the show. I didn't know I was a liar at the time. <laughs> I only later have discovered that I was a liar. So I wanted to catch up a bit on the Wayward Children series before reviewing the new novella. So I read the first book, Every Heart a Doorway. In this novel, Nancy goes to a special school her parents hope will cure her of what they believe are delusions. According to Nancy, she walked through a door to another world and has only recently returned to ours. At the school, Nancy finds students with similar stories to hers, that they've all found doorways to other worlds, and that each world felt more like home to them than ours. Nancy believes that the students and staff will finally have some insight into how she can make her way back. But when something sinister starts happening at the school, people begin to suspect her. Can she figure out what's going on before she loses the only people who believe in her? I loved this novel. It made me laugh and cry and long for Hogwarts and the TARDIS and Damon's like in all the right places. It just really like Shannon McGuire has things to say about stories and she understands stories and she loves stories. And I love this book. This is a must read for anyone who's ever escaped into a good book. I know that's like a broad brush, but like I believe it. That's it for today, folks. Join us next week for part two of our recommendation roundup. And in the meantime, leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. Happy, Happy reading! reading.